So we are to note, and I think one of the ways that we can note to take notice of those who cause division or offense within the church is to know the word of God. We find in verse 17 that what they are doing is contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. But if you have not learned the doctrine, if you have not learned the word of God, how will you know to take note of those who might be trying to cause division or offense within the church itself? So to learn, we need to learn the doctrine of the word of God. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. I'm going to close out the book of Romans today. And I titled this, Obedient and Faithful Servants. And we're going to work our way through Romans chapter 16, 27 verses, and we're going to see a commendation in verses 1 and 2, several heartfelt greetings, verses 3 through 16, to avoid divisive and offensive people, verses 17 through 20, greetings from Corinth, he lists out a few more names for us before he closes out the letter, and then he closes the letter with the final doxology, verses 25 through 27. So, Father, I pray that you would be with us as we look into your word today. And, Father, a lot of names and places mentioned in this chapter of the Bible, names and places that are not familiar with us, many of them. And uh, most of us would have difficult times trying to pronounce many of these correctly, and I'll probably have the worst time doing it. So, Father, I pray that you be with us, help us look past my speaking errors Lord, look into your word and to learn what you would have for us. This day we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Verses 12 through 15, more names. Yay. But chosen laborers. Tryphenia and Tryphosa. It could be one of the commentators felt that perhaps these are twin sisters. They have similar names here. But he says of them that they labored in the Lord. Greet the beloved Persis, who labored much in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Greet Asenocritus, Philogon, Hermas, Petrobus, Hermes, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philologus, is the Greek word, and greet Julia. Uh, It could be a husband and wife here as they're put together. 
Eresus and his sister and Olympus and all the saints who are with them. So again, Tryphenia and Tryphosa, possibly twins. Like Mary, it says that they labored, remember, to work and to feel fatigued. They labored hard for the Lord. Persis, actually, he said he labored much. So he, as well as Tryphenia and Tryphosa did, Persis, he outlabored them. Some people do that. And it's good, though, to have those who are willing to labor for the Lord, to do the work of minister. I'm so thankful. And I know we're a small fellowship, but I'm thankful for those who serve within our fellowship because church life right now, it's happening downstairs with Sunday school or it happens uh, in other ways throughout the week here in our fellowship. But it's not a work of just one or two individuals. When we work together, we can accomplish much for the Lord. Rufus, he called him chosen in the Lord. It's electos is the Greek word. It means to be chosen or choice or this of election. And actually, the Greek word involves a thoughtful deliberation or consideration. He is the chosen in the Lord. But I like it that Paul referred to Rufus's mother. He said his mother and mine. And I don't believe that Paul is saying that this is my fleshly brother. I believe that Rufus's mother uh, just served in such a way that Paul considered her as a mother to him. And I think that's so important that whether we have children or not, we can serve others. We can be spiritual fathers. We can be spiritual mothers, depending on the sex, of course, to others that we can help them in their life. And look at Paul. He was an apostle of um, some significant years by this time. But yet Rufus had a mom that Paul just respected and honored here in the text. He lists out these next five names, uh, brethren. I'm not even going to read them. You can read them for yourself. But he says nothing more of them. But their names are in the Bible itself. That's something significant in itself. Philologos, Julia, Nereus, and his sister Olympus. He called them saints. Hagias is the Greek word, and it means to be pure or sinless, upright. He called them holy. And Jesus taught us in the Bible as servants of the Lord that in Matthew 9, 37 and 38, that the harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And may we be like these saints that Paul had listed out here in the text today. They labored, they worked hard, they served, and their names were made mentioned here in Scripture because of their service to the Lord. Paul recognized them. May it be that we would serve our brothers and sisters, serve Christ, as Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, that we would be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He said to greet one another with a holy kiss. And this seems to be a common greeting that they held at that time. We're not Today, I would almost, if I was going to read into this, of how it works around the fellowship, it might be uh, greet one another with a holy hug. And guys tend to, in the church, give a hug to their brothers, 
have to be careful with the sexes, of course, but and even with the holy kiss, the same thing. But Paul said this not only here in Romans, but he he mentioned the holy kiss in 1 Corinthians 16, 20, 2 Corinthians 13, 12, 1 Thessalonians 5, 26. And Peter gave the encouragement in 1 Peter 5, 14 to greet one another with a kiss of love. And, you know, it seems culturally different for us here in the United States, but this was a cultural thing that we find here in Scripture. But what made it holy was their common faith in Christ. We discover that we too are the chosen, the elect of the Lord, and that we are to serve the Lord, serve the body of Christ that the Lord has placed us in. Now, Paul, as he's closing on his letter, he has one more point to teach on. He begins in verses 17 and 18. Here in 17 through 20, saying, avoid divisive and offensive people. Verse 17, he says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. They are to note. It is a Greek word that refers to to regard closely, to watch, or to take careful notice of. To take careful notice of those who cause division, who upset people in their faith that are contrary to the teaching that we have received in the Word of God. They are divisive and offensive people who do not serve Jesus, but they serve their own flesh. He said they serve their own belly by smooth words, by flattering speech. They deceive the heart of the simple. So we are to note. And I think one of the ways that we can note to take notice of those who cause division or offense within the church is to know the word of God. We find in verse 17 that what they are doing is contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. But if you have not learned the doctrine, if you have not learned the word of God, how will you know to take note of those who might be trying to cause division or offense within the church itself? So to learn, we need to learn the doctrine of the word of God. Second Thessalonians three fourteen through 15 and if anyone does not obey your word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with them that they may be ashamed. Do not count them as an enemy, but admonish them as a brother. We have recently seen this Greek word admonish being used by Paul in Romans as he's been closing out in chapter 15 as well. And it speaks about admonishing with correction, bring correction to such an individual. But Note that person. Note those who cause division. Note those who cause offense within the church. And the way that we can do that is by knowing the word of God. He also said in verses 19 and 20, for your obedience had become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf, but I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So again, Paul has been running through these 
final greetings, and we have another amen who will actually in a moment repeat the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen, in another verse as well. But he's saying of the believers in Rome, for many of them, he had met a number of them, 36 at least have been listed here, but he had never been to the church in Rome, but he knew a lot about them. And so he gives them this last teaching. He says, be wise in what is good, but simple concerning evil. Not to be simple-minded, but to be wise in what is good. To know the Word of God. To be simple here in the Greek simply means to be unspoiled or pure concerning evil. And there are a lot of things in this world that we can fill our minds with, but a lot of those things oppose Christ. And so we should limit the intake. Make sure that we are living in such a way that assures that Christ will give us victory over Satan. Notice that Paul here, he mentions the grace of God. He beautifully surrounded this letter with the parentheses of grace. Back in Romans 1.7, he began the letter saying, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, here in Romans 16.20, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. For grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Paul surrounded his letter by God's grace in which we find peace. In verses 21 through 24, he mentions some of the men who are currently with him. He began with Timothy, saying in verse 21, Timothy, my fellow worker, and Lucius, Jason, Zopater, my countrymen, greet you. And I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, my host, and the host of his whole church, greets you. Erastus, the treasurer of the city, and Quartus, a brother. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. And so Timothy, again, serving alongside Paul, often... Uh, Paul mentions him in Scripture in 1 Timothy 1-2. He calls him a true son of faith. In 2 Timothy 1-2, he calls him a beloved son. A part of the letters of Philippians and Colossians and Philemon. And here in the book of Romans, Timothy is mentioned. Lucius, Jason, and Sopater, they were fellow countrymen with Paul, Jewish believers that served with Paul. Each of these men are mentioned in the book of Acts one time as they served, but it means that they continually served in faithfulness to the Lord. Tertius, he was the man that the scribe whom Paul dictated this letter to, he inserted his greeting here as well. Gaius was the host from where this letter was written, and also the believers in Corinth worshipped in his home. Erastus, uh, mentioned in Acts 19.23 by Paul as well, mentioned with Timothy. He was the treasurer of the city of Corinth. And so we see that there were those who were in, in high places in government actually serving as believers. I think that is a challenge today in our our community, in our world, especially here in the United States. Uh, there are not too many Christians are not as many Christians serving in government as should be. And we tend to, as Christians, I'm saying, we tend to think that everything will eventually work out and we don't have to be engaged in those things. But 
And we are losing a lot of ground in our nation. Remember, we are a Christian nation that is, as far as Christians are concerned, the number is shrinking within our nation. And it's good here in the New Testament, we find that there were those who may have been a treasurer of the city of Corinth and became a believer. However, that position, he held the position as a believer in Jesus Christ. They ministered. It noted that both Timothy and Erastus ministered to Paul. They served Paul in Acts 19.22. It tells us that they ministered to him. And Quartus, he is the only, only named here in the Bible, but it was a dear brother to Paul. So once again, Paul adds another dose of grace as he closes out saying the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. But he's not finished yet. Now the final doxology, verses 25 through 27. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for the obedience to the faith to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever amen that is the final amen in this text he says to him who is able to establish you it means to set fast or to turn resolutely in a certain direction our Lord is able to establish us both in our work and in our word that both would work together, that we would become living examples of the wonderful work of God in our lives. In Second Thessalonians two sixteen and 17, he uses that word establish again. Paul says, now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work and word to be established in the gospel the preaching of Jesus Christ the gospel speaks about the forgiveness of sin that comes by way of the work of Jesus Christ through his death burial and resurrection as Paul described the gospel himself in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, and also verses 3 and 4, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. So Paul here in verse 25 of Romans 16, he said, according to my gospel, but here in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Paul declares the gospel that he preached. Verse 3, for I delivered to you, first of all, that I, which I also received. So it wasn't unique to Paul. Paul is saying, I'm declaring the gospel that I myself received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 4, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. So the gospel speaks about Jesus' death, burial and resurrection and the forgiveness of sin and eternal life that comes by way of faith in Jesus Christ. It is a mystery that has been revealed. Again, he says in verse 25, 
the revelation of the mystery that's been kept secret since the world began. In the Bible, the word mystery refers to a spiritual truth that was once hidden. Paul takes it all the way back to the beginning of the creation, but now has been revealed. Something that was once hidden, but now has been revealed. In Colossians 1, 26 and 27, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. That is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What is this mystery? It's Jesus Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Given through the prophetic word in verse 26, he refers to the word of prophecy. It is the New Testament is not God kind of coming up with a new thing, but the prophetic word speaking about the prophecy that came from the Old Testament, Paul would have been referring to this, that spoke about the God's plan of salvation that we find being laid out for us in the New Testament, but it was given by God's prophetic word. And the prophets recorded what God had given to them and left it for us. He spoke about this in Romans 1, verses 2 through 4. At the beginning of his letter, he said, he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be a son of God by the power according to the spirit of holiness from the resurrection of the dead. Prophesied. That's why I love uh, the Bible itself and how it supports. And we can get commentary from the Bible itself and discover the truths of God's word. For the obedience to the faith, he wrapped all this up. All that God did to establish us for the preaching of the gospel, the mystery that had been kept secret since the beginning of the world that had been made manifest through the prophetic word. It all came down to this, that we might come to the obedience of the faith. To the obedience, to be in compliance or submission. W.E. Vines wrote concerning this, that faith is one of the main subjects of the epistle of Romans. The initial act of obedience in a new life. And it's the essential characteristic thereof. What Vines was saying that it takes faith to become a believer and it takes faith to continue on as a believer. It should be the essential part of our life is that of faith. And Paul began his epistle saying in Romans 1 verses 5 and 6, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all the nations for his name, among whom also are called of Jesus Christ. He began his epistle for the obedience of the faith. He ends his epistle with the same words for the obedience to the faith. Just as Paul and the apostles ministered, and those who ministered with him were called by God's grace for the obedience to the faith, so too are we believers called by the same obedience it was important that Paul let his readers know that they've been called for the obedience to the faith. This obedience speaks about the spread of gospel among the Jewish people in Jerusalem as seen 
In Acts 6, verse 7, where it tells us there that many of the priests, the Jewish priests, were obedient to the faith. They became obedient to the faith as well. Therefore, obedience to the faith comes by way of the work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. It is key. In the final few verses, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Again, Paul mentions grace of 12 of 13 of Paul's epistles. He included with this one similar line of blessing, God's grace to his readers. The one exception that he made was here to the epistle of Romans, where he wrote to God alone be the glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. So all the other epistles, Paul concludes the epistles saying, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. And then to the Romans, he adds, to God alone, wise, be the glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. A doxology, and may it be that our lives would be doxologies of praise to God through his son, Jesus Christ. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. And let God...